It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It'll upgrade your snack game to epic proportions. We're talking about cookies and cream flavor, chocolate, peanut butter, chocolate, coconut. We got German chocolate cake, cherry barcia. I mean, what more do you want? There's so many different flavors to choose from on BuiltBar.com. And when you enter the promo code Locked On, you'll get $10 off your first order. Built Bar is also specifically nutritious when it comes to the kind of macros that we all desire from a tasty snack like Built Bar. Four grams of fat, four grams of sugar, and sometimes 16 grams of protein. I mean, you can't beat that. Your snack game will look inside young form aka trevor bauer so go to builtbar.com and enter the promo code locked on to get ten dollars off your first order of amazingly delicious and specifically nutritious built bar you are locked on reds your daily cincinnati reds podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day the 2020 season did not quite go as planned for Reds fans as the playoffs ended abruptly in the wild card round. Now the Reds are left to pick up the pieces during the offseason and fix a lineup that was the worst in Major League Baseball. How are they going to do it? What are they going to do? Rumors, transactions, news, all here on the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Let's go. Alrighty, for today's Locked On Reds, I have with a friend of the show and the man in charge of the Block Red Machine. He is Drew Cook. Drew, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Jeff. How about yourself, sir? I am doing pretty all right. Sipping some coffee and just enjoying the day and trying to figure out where on earth the Reds go from here. I, I think we already kind of had that wondering, like, all right. You go 31 and 29, you were supposed to be better. You get bounced in the first round of the playoffs. You weren't supposed to do that. And now Dick Williams has stepped down. Like, am I wrong in thinking that we have reached uh, quite a fork in the road for our favorite baseball franchise? No, I think you're I think you're on to something there. I think when you talk about the, you know, the president of baseball ops stepping down, obviously you got to fill that position in some capacity. Uh your best player from this last year is a free agent, and he's going to command a lot of offers from a lot of teams. Um, and then your offense that was supposed to be, honestly, I think most people thought it would be at least much better. Whether it's better than the pitching or not, I don't think that's accurate. But I think people expected better than batting dead last in the in the entire Major League Baseball. So. I think you're at a fork in the road because you got a lot of, you know, you're returning most of the starters, most of the players in general. And I don't know how much of a shakeup we're going to see in the roster going forward. So I think it is kind of a fork on the road type deal. I talked yesterday on the podcast about a dead ball era Cincinnati Reds team. And I think that team, actually, I know, I remember they hit 255 as a team during the dead ball era when teams didn't hit. 
and that's still 40 points better than what the Reds in 2020 did. So, yeah, we've definitely got to talk about what's going to happen with the hitting. But And it just kind of is something that hit me whenever we were mentioning Trevor Bauer. What are your thoughts? Now, I, I know that Trevor Bauer is his own dude. He is his own bird, and it doesn't bother me, but I think it bothers some of Reds country when he's out here tweeting about, like, like yesterday, he had a couple of tweets like when the Padres were struggling. He's like, hey, looks like you're a starting pitcher away. Or, you know, maybe the Yankees could use another starter. Like, things like this. Like, I kind of think it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. But at the same time, he's marketing himself. Like, how do you perceive that? Well, I, th- I think if if we've watched Trevor Bauer over the last year and a half, I think we know that that's what he loves to do is he loves to market himself. So I think that that's something, obviously, we're going to see out of him going forward. I mean, I, I think people have to remember this is his first foray into free agency. So yep. he's going to explore as much as he can and put out as many feelers as possible. And I don't blame him with with the coronavirus pandemic. That's going to affect the way teams spend with the upcoming CBA and how that's going to look. That's going to affect his con- contractual standing. So, you know, if, if you're Trevor Bauer, you want to get as much as you can this year and whether it's a multi-year deal, one-year deal, whatever he's looking at, um, you know, he has to market himself as well as he can. I don't particularly like the tongue-in-cheek type of approach that he goes with myself, but, you know, like you said earlier, he's his own man. He can do what he wants. He's a, he's probably the best Twitter follower in Major League Baseball, so it's like something that you got to keep an eye on, and he's going to utilize it to his advantage he understands the value of it there's plenty of people that see what he says so i it's not something that really bugs me i know i've seen plenty of people in his comments just like oh my gosh can't believe you're like leaving cincinnati and and then he likes to rebuttal with well who says i'm leaving and it's right it's like the perfect i i i think it's kind of goofy but uh yeah i'm i'm hoping that the reds can make an make him an offer he can't refuse i feel like they've got set up with kyle Bodie in house and you got a really nice organizational philosophy with pitching from the top down with Derek Johnson and Caleb Cotham. And you've got Eric Giggers running up the uh, farm system or running up, running the farm system pitching side of things. So I, I think that there are some behind the scenes stuff that, help out the reds a little bit, but I think it's just going to come down to that number that they write on the dotted line. I would agree. I think as long as they're competitive, I, I don't know that the reds have to be the top team in terms of how much money they're going to offer but they got to be in the ballpark no pun intended but (laughs) i think they've they've definitely got to be you know close to the figure that they can't match money with the yankees or the dodgers or some of these big market teams they're not going to get into a a bidding war for him but i think that they need to be competitive and be realistic if they want to try to retain him for next year Absolutely agree on that. And unfortunately, that's actually taken a back burner. That was my number one offseason storyline for sure. And I think that's everyone's number one uh, offseason storyline for the Reds is what they do with Trevor Bauer. But that got bumped to number two on Wednesday whenever Dick Williams announced that he was resigning as president of baseball operations for the Reds. The Reds quickly said that Nick Crawl would remain as general manager. Now, I don't necessarily know that that precludes him from being promoted. Dude's been with the Reds for 18 years, so he is absolutely in the top of the list of candidates to replace Dick Williams. How do you see the Reds going about this? Because obviously there's candidates. I know that in the Enquirer, Bobby Nightingale wrote that uh, the president of operations for the Marlins contract is up at the end of the season, Michael Hill. 
So he could be a target. There's a couple of other guys in there as well. How do you see this going down for the Reds? I think the obvious answer is Nick Kroll, um, but the obvious answer isn't always the right answer. Right. So I, 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 I wouldn't be upset if they went after Nick Kroll. I mean, the guy's been in the organization, like you said, for 18 years. Um, he's been a bit more at the forefront recently when, uh, you know, he got promoted to GM and I mean, you see him at all the press conferences along, you know, when he was alongside Dick Williams and the signees and so forth. So I don't think that's a bad choice if that's the direction the Reds go. However, you mentioned the gentleman, uh, down there in, uh, in Miami, uh, obviously, you know, he, he's worked with a lot of, uh, you know, small market teams and is able to build a franchise from the, uh, you know, from the bottom up, I think anybody who has experience with a small market uh, type of budget uh, would be a good choice. I've also looked at, uh, we put something up today at uh, Blog Red Machine on uh, uh, Matt Arnold from the Milwaukee Brewers. He's the uh, the assistant general manager in Milwaukee. And um, that would be one I think worth taking a look at as well, just based on what the Brewers have done the last several seasons with David Stearns at the helm. I think anybody who's learned under him has to be uh, somewhat competent going forward. And, uh, you know, he worked in the system previously, and he's also worked for the Rays. So I think you've got a, a good track record there of working with uh, specific organizations that know how to draft well, develop talent, make good trades. Uh, I think that's the route the Reds need to look at if they're not going to promote Nick Kroll. That would be Arnold would be very interesting. Not not if just not only just for the reason that the Brewers kind of retooled after losing so many big names this past off season, but also kind of like you mentioned for the fact that he was involved with the Rays. And I feel like if you are a front office person and you can have the Tampa Bay Rays on your resume, that immediately makes you super interesting because I want the Reds to be like the Rays. I want the, the Rays are an amazing organization, and every single year it seems like they come up with these guys that nobody's ever heard of, and they just absolutely rock the baseball world with these guys like Azarena, and I, I don't even, or Azarena. That guy, he's really good, and I never heard of him until this year. So I'm, I, I would love to see some of that ingenuity come to Cincinnati because it feels like every time we go for it or every time we're gearing up to go for it, there's like one or two areas where it seems we've hamstrung ourselves. The Reds seem to always back themselves into a corner with a deal, or maybe they trade for the wrong guy, something like that. I don't know. And, and the 60-game season is not a fair evaluation, and I appreciated the way that Dick Williams kind of worded it, saying that, well, if this was a 162-game season, but it wasn't. What we got is what we got. And evaluating what happened with this red side, we got to look at the lineup. How do we improve this? Because there's really only a couple areas that are coming open, and those aren't areas that I think the Reds are going to shell out the free agent money like they did this past offseason, especially if they re-sign Trevor Bauer. As far as the lineup goes, I don't really see much of a change. I, you know, I, I know that's probably not what Reds fans want to hear, but. I don't think you can spend $166 million last year and just blow it all up. Yeah. So, I mean, you, if you if you look at Nicholas Castellanos, if you look at, you know, Shogo, and you look at uh, Mike Moustakis, 
I, I do think we might see some different numbers had it been a 162-game season. But like you said, that's not what we have to evaluate him on. We've got him for this season. Uh, I think speaking to Castellanos, I think he opts in or mm-hmm. you know stay, stays for next year. I, I don't see him testing the free agent market after the season that he had. So I don't know if too many holes you're going to have unless you're looking to shuffle some guys internally. Um, I think the DH is going to play a role, whether it's in the National League or not, uh, as to the way the lineup is constructed. Uh, I think the only position that I think you might look to upgrade externally would be shortstop. And even then, I don't know that you're going to look outside the organization to upgrade that, at least you know, a, a major upgrade, I guess I should say. Got a few more thoughts on shortstop here in just a moment. Also, don't miss our take on who the Reds catcher is going to be for the majority of 2021. But before we get into all of that, I want to remind you to download the Postmates app and enter the promo code Locked On. You'll get free delivery for your first seven days of up to $100 with no order minimum. Postmates offers you the best and your favorite restaurants in your area, whether it be Outback Steakhouse. Are you looking for that one Chinese restaurant that you love but doesn't deliver to you? Postmates has got it on there. They've got Taco Bell. They've even got some great frishes options. You can go on Skyline and get it all brought to your door. They've even got options if you need something from the store, whether it be Kroger or CVS, they can run and grab that too. Check out the Postmates app today. Enter the promo code Locked On for free delivery for your first seven days of up to $100 with no order minimums. Because anytime you need your favorite thing and anything you need it, whether it's food or something from the convenience store, you should Postmate it. I was looking at the potential free agents at shortstop. You got... Marcus Simeon and Didi Gregorius and guys like that. I think with the year that Didi had, he might command a multi-year deal. So I think, I think if the Reds go outside the organization for anybody, it's for a year. I would agree. I don't think that Jose Garcia is ready this year, but I think he will be ready. Maybe, maybe even by the second half of this year, just give him some more at bats in the minor leagues and stuff. Because what we kind of saw from him this season, he showed flashes of being okay at the plate he was very good defensively obviously but it just it felt like what we saw in spring training was a vast departure of what we saw during the 60 game season so I'm looking for a little bit more consistency there and probably looking for a short-term replacement now I don't know if that means they bring back Freddie Galvis I kind of hope not because that would just I don't know that would feel stale to me and I think which there's going to be plenty of Reds fans. There's there's one guy that likes to update me almost uh, on a monthly basis about how this is going, but I think Jose Iglesias is going to be a free agent again, so we might Correct. be talking about that. Um, what do you think, if anything, and then obviously you've also got the question of Francisco Lindor, but I think that's an even less likely possibility than it was last offseason. What do you think they do with the shortstop position? You know, I... I think shortstop is a tough one because if you look up and down the Reds lineup, I think you, you've got Votto set at first, regardless of what everybody thinks about his production. He's there. He's set, you know, he's going to be your first baseman. You got Moose at second, you got Suarez at third, and then your outfield is loaded with, you know, potential starters up and down. So shortstop's your hole. But 
if those players that I just mentioned performed up to their potential, which we didn't see this year, then can you go with a lesser bat at shortstop um, and just go with go with the defense of a guy like Garcia? Can you plug in, uh, you know, a Kyle Farmer and put him down at the number eight or nine spot in the lineup? Is is that good enough? And I think that's going to be the question is if I mean, if, if Moustakis and Suarez and Senzel and Castellanos and Winker are playing up to their potential and not hitting 225 and 202 and 220 or whatever they were hitting this year, do you need your shortstop to be that 300 hitter, leadoff guy, 25 home runs that a guy like Gregorius might give you? So I think a lot of what they do on shortstop might depend on how they foresee the rest of the lineup coming together. I agree with that, and I think that it's going to be a bit of a different uh, taste to the offseason this year as opposed to last year. Last year we had many points that we could look at and say, okay, this was the most exciting part of the offseason, or this was, or this was. I think this year is going to be a little bit more pedestrian compared to that So with that in mind, when we get to spring training in February and when everybody's heading out to Arizona and we look back on this offseason, what do you predict? And and you can be a little bit – you can come out of left field with this one if you want to, but what do you predict (laughs) will be the most exciting point of this offseason? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Like I said, I, I don't see the Reds doing a lot in free agency. I think we yeah. saw as much as we're going to see last year. So I, I think the story coming in, coming out, I, Bauer is going to be a make or break, but so if Bauer resigns, I think your starting rotation is set. Mm-hmm. If Bauer doesn't resign, I think who gets that, those final spots in the starting rotation. Is it Nick Lodolo is, does Hunter green make a huge step and, and in competition for that number five spot? Is it, TJ Antone, um, I, I really don't see a lot of changes with this team except for some internal promotions. So I think kind of hanging your hat on whether or not Lodolo makes the jump to the pros right away or gets up to the big leagues right away. Um, is Garcia your starting shortstop or, uh, you know, are you going a different direction? I, I, I think Reds fans need to be a bit more, you know, kind of set their expectations a bit lower for this offseason because of how much we saw the last two years, I just can't see them going. If the last two years didn't produce great results, why would you expect them to shell out more again? I can't see them making a lot of big trades. We saw that, you know, previously when they brought in Puig and Kemp and mm-hmm. Alex Wood and Sonny Gray and Trevor Bauer. I mean, you, you don't want to just totally tear down your entire farm system. Those guys are there for a reason. Um, so, I, I I hate to say it, you know, from a people who want to kind of see the Reds go all in, but I don't think you're going to see a trade for Lindor. I don't think you're going to see anything crazy going on this offseason. I think you're going to see a much more pedestrian approach from the Reds this offseason. I agree, and I, I think it definitely points to the fact that the rebuild had failed and they were sort of forced, backed into a corner to do this kind of maneuvering with all the free agent signings and trades and things like that. I like what they've done. I I think, and I know that, you know, we always hear from our buddy Chad Dotson over at Red Leg Nation Radio that hope is not a strategy, but I think and hope that they can get better as is 
right now with a few tweaks here and there. I'd be interested to see what those tweaks are. And you kind of mentioned it with Lodolo and Green, especially Green. We're kind of into the period of time where we really thought Hunter Green was going to start playing a role in the major league team. And he hasn't been up yet. Obviously, injuries have played a massive factor in that, setting his development back by a year, year and a half, two years, uh, depending on how you look at it. We heard good reports out of Prasco that he was doing okay and throwing some nice pitches and stuff. Do you think we see him on the major league side this season? I think we definitely see Nick Lodolo. Like, I think he, if there was a minor league season this past year and if everything was you know, all things being equal, I think we probably would have seen him later on in the season. So I definitely think Lodolo is up in some form or fashion in 2021. Do you think we see Hunter Green? Oh, I I would love to see Hunter Green. I think the lack, you, you mentioned earlier, the lack of a minor league season, while it hurt Lodolo, I think it may have hurt Hunter Green's production and development even more. Um, coming back off that injury, um, I feel like Green is a franchise-changing player. I think that he has that ability. I think that he has the potential, in all honesty, to be the face of the Reds franchise going forward. So I think they're going to handle it carefully. If he develops, if, if, if he comes along well in spring training, has a good spring training, which I think you'll see him with the big league club in spring training this year, um, I think you could really see him accelerate through the uh, – through the minor leagues. And I think there's an outside chance that he makes a run at making the roster as the, uh, as the year progresses. I think a lot of that again, depends on who the reds have in their stable of starting pitchers, because I don't see green as a guy that you bring along as a, as a closer in August, September, just to, you know, a, a late inning bullpen arm. I don't see that for him. If he's not coming on as a starter, I don't project that the Reds are going to bring him on in any other capacity other than that. I'm hoping that we do get to see him. I, I would love to see him as a starter for sure, but uh, that's that's going to be a very interesting development to watch throughout spring training as that gets going and kind of reports that you hear within the organization. Drew, I appreciate your time, man. You've been so generous with it. I got one final question that we're going to end up on, and it's a big one. It's going to be Go one that every, everyone's kind of – monitoring uh, especially as the season gets going but probably throughout the entire season but if you had to lay money that would hurt down on one of these three guys who is going to be the reds starting catcher for the majority of 2021 it's it's got to be stevenson and i i think that is that may be one of the biggest hopes that the reds fans have going forward is that he could be a difference maker behind the plate, uh, more or less actually at the plate than behind the plate. But I think Stevenson's going to start a majority of the games next year. And I would be very surprised if the Reds begin opening day with all three of those catchers on the roster. I like it. That's got me excited. I, I want to see Tyler Stevenson get the majority of the playing time because don't get me wrong. I love Tucker. I love Kurt. But when you look at their production, you always have to squint. You always have to qualify it with something. Like you can look at 2020 and you can say, well, in the month of September, Tucker Barnhart had an OPS of over 960. But yeah, 
in the month of like July and August, his OPS was negative 400. So, you know, (laughs) there's plenty of reasons to say that, okay, well, he looked good here, but he was not looking really good here. It's time for Tyler Stevenson. He showed that he can have, if he's not clubbing dingers, he can have major league professional at-bats in which he makes the guy on the mound uncomfortable. Like one of the images of 2020 that I will always remember is the uncomfortableness that you got from Craig Kimbrell in that ninth inning when he ended up walking Tyler Stevenson. You're like, this is a rookie at the plate who has less than 20 career plate appearances. And Craig Kimbrell, who at one point was better than a role as Chapman is on the mound and he's shaking in his boots. Like, give me, give me Tyler Stevenson all day. I can't wait. Yeah, for that. I agree with you. But Barnhart and Caselli, very, very solid catchers, solid catchers, make your team better, work with their pitchers very well taking nothing away from those two. But if you're looking for an internal player, player within house that can make a difference at a position, I mean, he he's a middle of the lineup hitter that provided he can handle the pitching well enough. And I think that he can, uh, he's, he can be a difference maker in the middle of that lineup. And, um, I think with Casale and Barnhart between the two of them, I just don't think you're going to see three catchers on the on the roster next year. You got Farmer who can take over, and you could get something of value for one of those two players. And I think the Reds would be a bit foolish to go into 2021 with all three of those catchers on the roster. He is Drew Cook. He helms the blog Red Machine. Check out his work. What you guys? I know that you mentioned a couple of articles and ideas that you have coming up at the blog Red Machine, but what do you got coming down the pike? We've been going through and grading performances uh, from 2020. Unfortunately, we're doing that a bit earlier than I think we'd all like. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, the offseason starts early in Reds country, so uh, we're already looking at a uh, few different kinds of avenues, uh, you know, who possible free agent signings, possible trades. Um, and obviously now I think we got to look at, uh, you know, what are they going to do with the front office now that Dick Williams has stepped down? So it's a busy, uh, busy time in Reds country. Check them out at blogredmachine.com. Drew, I thank you so much, man. We'll look forward to talking to you again soon. I appreciate it, Jeff. You guys have a good one. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.